since I've been here. Yeah. I know. Ian's like, what are we paying you for? <laughs> no, it's been six weeks, and we've had all of you who have preached and the guests who aren't here with us today. I just want to thank them. It's been a great series, Heroes of Faith, and I've loved it. Before I get to that, let me just quickly um, reiterate a couple of announcements. You would have seen Mark talk about August the 18th as a night of prayer and worship. Wouldn't it be great if we filled this place on that night it's going to be fantastic. So come along, come or bring some visitors, bring some friends if you can. It's going to be fantastic. But the 18th is a really big day because on that day, there's also going to be a baptism in the morning. There's also going to be a baby dedication. There's going to be an AGM. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be the biggest cheer. Back to baptism. Yeah. That's what we wanted. AGM. <laughs> And, uh, and, of course, here again on, on that Sunday night for Night of Prayer and Worship. You know, uh, a few weeks ago, we had a congregational meeting here to talk about where we're going as a church in terms of developing this property. And we brought a motion to the church to uh, begin stage one of our church master plan. If you've never seen that, you'll find it off to the side here. The whole master plan is across there, and you need to track down which part of that is stage one. We're going to be moving towards that now, and the members voted overwhelmingly to support that vision of stage one. And so I just want to let you know that uh, this week we signed a, another contract with the architect again to keep moving on that, and the development application now is underway. So um, I want you to uh, do what you can to be informed about that, but also to support it as much as possible. And speaking of that, on October the 18th, this is a night, it's a Friday night, that I'm going to ask you to please every single person in this auditorium, everyone make eye contact with me, <laughs> needs to be here on that night. October the 18th, you'll get some invitations to it. It's going to be called Heart for Hills, and we're going to be talking about the vision of Hills Church. But here's the thing. The mission that God has called us to takes all of us. It takes all of us to get involved. And so I want you to be here and hear more about that. Um, and so can you keep that date free and we'll let you know some more information as we get closer. It's going to be a really good night. Last thing, turn four, the next alpha begins. 
This is a, a high priority for this church. You know that. I've talked about it. It's something I'm passionate about. I love Alpha. There's people sitting here this morning because of Alpha, right? Yeah, I won't em- embarrass you, but um, I invite you. In fact, you guys are welcome to come again and do it again. But anybody else, if you know someone who you think would benefit from Alpha, I encourage you to start praying now. Think about an invitation. I'll have some invitations to hand out in the coming weeks. Uh, but it would be awesome if, once again, we can um, have a group of people here who are on a spiritual journey hear about the, the good news of Jesus, right? And we know that Alpha, is it works, okay? It has fruit. God is in Alpha. And so please um, take that really seriously. That's term four this year. All right. Heroes of faith. I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 13 this morning. Here's what the author of Hebrews said. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. And that's what we've been doing for the last seven weeks. This is week seven. Heroes of faith. It's been really good to stop and look at the lives of these men and women and all that has come out of lives of faith. And in the words of this, this Hebrews author, you know, we, the Bible says we should follow their example. That really was the purpose of this series. It was to inspire us by the lives of these spiritual leaders and follow them on a journey of faith like they did. Now, it's hard to do justice to these people. You know, this is something we've talked about, those of us who've been preaching through this series. You get 30 minutes to talk about the amazing life of somebody and also bring some points and hope that you can uh, get some application out of that. We've been trying to point to some of their significant acts of faith and take those principles. So week one was Bonhoeffer. He was a man who wouldn't compromise under the pressure of the Nazi regime, like so many, unfortunately, of his uh, fellow Um, religious leaders did. He courageously spoke out against the cruel and evil policies and actions of the Nazis, and eventually he would lose his life for doing that. More than most people, Bonhoeffer understood the cost of following Jesus. So here's what I got out of that message. Faith brings courage to stand firm under pressure to conform. Week two was Gideon. You know, Gideon was, uh, he was a lowly, kind of timid man, and yet called by God to lead an army. And he discovered that when we say yes to God, his, his strength, God's strength, is revealed through our weaknesses. And when we do it God's way and not our way, may I even say this, when we do it God's way, if God calls you to something and you say yes in faith, then there'll be success there in what he's called you to do. So week two, this is what I got out of uh, Gideon. Faith brings boldness and strength to overcome fears and weakness. I don't know about you guys, but I can attest to this in my own life. Week three was Brother Andrew. He was an ordinary man who had a burden for uh, the Christians behind the Iron Curtain. And he wanted to get Bibles in there. When I say Iron Curtain, for those of you who don't know that phrase, it was into the, uh, the former communist countries of the USSR, where you couldn't bring Bibles and you couldn't meet Uh, in public, like we do today, to worship God. But his heart was for the secret church there, and he discovered that a simple prayer of faith, that God would blind the border guard's eyes to the Bibles that that he had put into his car, 
That would be the start of a worldwide support network called Open Doors that supports the persecuted church to this day all around the world. He was an ordinary man used by God to do extraordinary things for God's kingdom. So here's the one thing that uh, I took away from Brother Andrew, and that's that faith opens us to God's supernatural power to fulfill our calling. I, I, I did that one in particular. I was thinking about what was the one takeaway for me because when I used to read Brother Andrew's book as a teenager, I just was so amazed that God would just literally close their eyes of those border guards. And he got to the point where he would have Bible sitting on the front seat of his car, and that would get you arrested if you did that. And he would drive through, and he prayed that same prayer every time. Supernatural power. But he had faith that God would do that. Week four was Abraham. He was a man so filled with faith that he said yes to God, even though he would never see the long-term fruit or the, or the promises that God had given him. And Pastor Tim Kirkpatrick, he was here that week, and he encouraged us just keep saying yes to God. He must have said that on high school camp because I've had all these people coming to me since then saying, I want to do something for, for Jesus. And I love it. Just keep saying yes to God because he's calling us to partner with him to extend his kingdom here on earth. So he was the one takeaway that I got from that one. Faith can change the future for entire generations. Entire generations because of one man's faith. He said yes to God. Week five was King David. Yeah, thanks, Chris. She was the preacher that day. <laughs> He's a young man who pushed through challenges in his early years, and he discovered God would use those challenges to prepare him to be Israel's greatest king. And his courage and faith saw him literally face and defeat a giant. But then the thing that always gets me about David is that he would wait patiently and with integrity for that promise, that throne that was promised to him. So week five, he was what I got out of that one. Faith gives us the endurance and patience to realize the promises of God. Yeah, how many of you are waiting? You know God's promised you something. You're just holding on in faith. Faith will get you there. Week six was Esther, another faith-filled follower of God who would risk her life believing God had called her to this position to take action, and in her words, for such a time as this, and whose faith in action would rescue a generation of Jews who were in exile from um, possible or inevitable genocide if, if what was going to happen was going to happen. So here's what I got from Esther. Faith can overcome the impossible. Do you believe it? This week, I want to hold up to you, Mother Teresa. But before I do that, I want to ask you a question. Who's your hero of the faith? Who's the one um, who you have often looked up to and admired and they've inspired you? It could be either in the Bible or through history or even in current times. So I'm going to actually ask you that. This is one of those moments where I need some feedback. Just someone yell out to me the name of a hero of the faith that you've really looked up to. Yeah, Cry Tin Boom, awesome. Moses, yep. Yep, Elijah. Keep them coming. Susanna Wesley, yes. Who was that? I loved that one, yeah. Stephen, fantastic. I, I don't know who that is, but awesome. <laughs> what was that one? I missed it. Was there another one? Hudson Taylor, yes. Billy Graham, I love it. I'll take a couple more. Yes. 
yeah, you'll just say that because he's one of mine too. No, <laughs> no, both agree with that one. Anyone else? Martin Luther, yeah. All of these people in faith said yes to God and stepped out and things in the world changed. Things around the world changed because of what they did. John Wesley was another one who's a, a hero of mine because he decided he didn't want to be a nominal Christian anymore. He said, I'm, I'm going to take Jesus seriously. I'm going to take the word seriously like Martin Luther did, I guess. And, and as a result, like I was just thinking about this this morning in the shower. If John Wesley didn't do what he did, you know, my, my parents were Methodists. Would I be here today? I don't know. Maybe God would have another path. But I'm just saying, people way back then may have had an effect on us today and our faith in God. And we can do the same thing for others. Mother Teresa. Now, to be honest, it's not possible to give more than a very brief overview of her life. And if you're like me, you may only really know the legend of Mother Teresa and not much more. And so when I picked Mother Teresa, I was like, well, I don't really know much about her. And so how do I preach on someone I don't know much about? And of course, I had to go and do some research and do some reading. And I got to know an incredible, amazing lady, a faith-filled uh, patient, um, persevering, amazing lady. Let me give you just some, uh, a brief biography of her so that you get a picture of her in case you're like me and you didn't know much about her. So Mother Teresa's birth name was actually Agnes. She was born in 1910 in Macedonia. And her family, not surprisingly, they were devotely Catholic and her father was deeply involved in the church. So in the aftermath of her father's death, when Agnes was only eight, she became very close to her mother. She was a, her mother was a devoted and compassionate woman who instilled in her daughter a deep commitment to other people and to charity. Now, they weren't a wealthy family, and her mother would often extend an open invitation to the city's uh, poor people, the destitute, to come and have meals with them. This is, this is the very beginning this is what her mother did for her. And this is what her mother would say. My child, never eat a single mouthful unless you're sharing it with others. And she counseled her daughter. And Agnes asked, well, who are these people who are eating with us? She would say, well, some of them are our relations, but all of them are our people. You can see where the seeds were planted, can't you? At the age of 12, Agnes felt a calling on her life to go into some, some form of ministry. Six years later, it was 1928, she was 18 years old, and Agnes decided to become a nun, and she set off for Ireland to join the Sisters of Loretto in Dublin. It was there that she took the name Sister Mary Teresa. A few years later, Sister Mary Teresa travelled to India, and in May 1931, she made her first profession of vows. Afterwards, she, would, she was sent to Calcutta. And she was assigned to teach at St. Mary's High School for Girls. And it was a school run by the Loretto Sisters, where she had come from in Dublin. It was dedicated to teaching girls from the city's poorest Bengali families. Sister Teresa learned to speak both Bengali and Hindi fluently as she taught geography and history and dedicated herself to allevi alleviating the girls' poverty through education. And that's where she started off. On May, uh, in May 1937, she took her final vows to a life of poverty, chastity, and obedience. 
And as was the custom for Loretto nuns, she took the title of mother. Upon making her final vows, she became known as Mother Teresa. And that's the name that we've always known her as. Mother Teresa continued to teach there at the School of St. Mary's. And in 1944, she actually became the principal of the school. She wrote in this prayer at the time, Give me the strength to be ever the light of their lives so that I may lead them at last to you. She was someone who really did push in close to God. On September 10, 1946, Mother Teresa experienced a second calling. In her words, she called it a call within a call. That this would forever transform her life. She was riding in a train from Calcutta to the Himalayan foothills for a retreat when she said Christ spoke to her and told her, abandon teaching to work in the slums of Calcutta, aiding the city's poorest and the sickest people. She was quoted as saying this, it was an order. In August 1948, she was donning the blue and white sari that, we, that she would wear for the rest of her life in public. She took a big step of faith. She left that school almost with nothing. And after six months of basic medical training, she voyaged for the first time into Calcutta's slums with no more specific goal than this, to aid the unwanted, the unloved, and the uncared for. Mother Teresa quickly translated her calling into concrete actions to begin to help the city's most vulnerable. She began an open-air school and she established a home for the dying and the destitute in a dilapidated building that she convinced the city government to donate to her. By 1950, she obtained permission from Rome for a new congregation called the Missions of Charity, and that's what it's still known as today. When she founded this, there was only a handful of members. Most of them were former teachers or uh, pupils from the school that she had been at. As their congregation grew, donations poured in all, from all around India and uh, even other places around the globe. In the scope of Mother Teresa's charitable activities, they expanded. Over the course of the 1950s and 1960s, she established leper colonies, orphanages, nursing homes, family clinics, and mobile health clinics. In 1979, Mother Teresa was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in recognition of her work, they, as they said, in bringing help to, to the suffering of humanity. In the summer of 82, this was brave. She secretly went into Beirut, Lebanon, where the war was, was on at the time, to rescue infants that were trapped in hospitals. She managed to, um, I didn't put it in my notes, but I remember reading, she managed to broker a ceasefire between the two sides so that she could get in there and get those kids out. By the time of her death in 1997, the Missionaries of Charity numbered more than 4,000 workers in addition to thousands more lay volunteers with 610 foundations in 123 countries around the world. When she died, the Indian government gave her a state funeral. She's an amazing woman. Such deep faith. In fact, the Catholic Church decided that they would... Uh, bestow sainthood upon her, but she chose to live in poverty with the people in poverty. And yet, at the same time, this woman living in poverty lived a life of incredible influence that helped tens of thousands of people. Her walk with Jesus led her to a life that obediently followed the teachings of Jesus. You know this verse in Matthew 25, I tell you the truth, when you did it for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Now, if you go and read all of Matthew 25, you'll see that Jesus was talking specifically about feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, 
showing hospitality to the homeless and caring for the sick and even visiting those in prison. Our Mother Teresa lived that command to the full. You know, if you read the rest of Matthew 25, there's this sorting of sheep and goats that goes on. Mother Teresa will be the first of the sheep. I promise you that. She lived within the, in the slums with the people that she was helping. I saw a picture of where she lived. It was just a, a simple, very basic room with just a... Um, the, the mattress was thin. You know what I'm talking about. A basic bed. And she dedicated her life. She started by giving dignity in the final months and weeks to those who were dying and were left to die in the streets. In other words, in their last, last weeks, she would take them in and bring dignity to them so they wouldn't die out in the cold. So our final example of faith teaches me this. This is number seven right here. Faith brings light and hope into the darkest and most hopeless places. It's faith that accomplishes God's plan for redemption, church. For whatever reason, God's, he partners with us on this. And it's when we put our faith in him to live the life that he called us to, just like Mother Teresa, the light shines in the darkness. That could be any one of us here today. With faith, any of us can be the light where there is dark. Anyone. All of us encounter dark places in the world. We may not live in the slums of Calcutta. And yet with faith in Jesus filling us with light, we can be that light in that dark place. And all the men and women, quite frankly, that, I've talked about, that we've talked about for seven weeks, they prove it. They show us that that is real. It's not just words in a book. People have lived it. So what is the dark place for you? That you can shine the light. That you can take that you can say yes to God in faith and go and actually be that light in the dark. You know, is it the dysfunctional family next door to you? Maybe you're the dysfunctional family. Or the friend that you have that has a destructive addiction. Or those in hospital who, who are sick or have no hope. Or the hundreds of people living around us with depression and anxiety and are desperately lonely. You know, when I met with... Uh, two of our local politicians recently, our uh, local government and our state government members, I said, what's the number one issue in our area? Loneliness, both of them, without even hesitating. Loneliness. We've got so much, and yet people are desperately lonely. Is it those in our overcrowded prisons, and they are overcrowded, and, and, and they have no hope and no future? Is it the families? who can't find an affordable place to live? Is it standing up to injustice in our world? You know, like young girls sold into sexual slavery, slavery and much more. There's just so many dark places, isn't there? God's calling us to step out in faith and bring light into the world, just like Mother Teresa. What seems impossible, it becomes possible with faith in God. We can make a difference. Our faith in Jesus opens the path to being the ones that makes the difference. If God's calling you there and you say yes in faith, you'll be effective. Things will, will happen. You'll make a change. Jesus said, with faith the size of mustard seed, mountains can be moved. You know, we often apply it to our lives, and that's okay. It does apply to our lives. But there's mountains of darkness around us. And with mustard seed size faith, 
we can start to move those mountains. And I think that, that Mother Teresa really showed us how that is true. It's faith in Jesus that led all these men and women we've been talking about to literally change the world for God, and they proved it. Here's the thing that I love. Every single one of these men and women were really ordinary. The most ordinary. Have you noticed how God seems to kind of point to the most ordinary of people, not necessarily the most naturally gifted people, to make changes, to do things in the world? They were ordinary people, except they had extraordinary faith. So what is God calling you to do? What small step of faith can you take? You know, it could be as small as, although I don't think this is small, inviting someone to Alpha. Did you know that's bringing light into the dark right there? It could be as big as planning a new church or ministry or charity like Mother Teresa did. Could be. God uses ordinary people to do that sort of thing. If you don't think he does, trust me, I'm the most ordinary person you will meet. And yet somehow, I'm, for whatever reason, he's got me pastoring this church. You know, well, the question I also have for us collectively is, what about us? What is our collective response to what God is calling us to do in the examples that we've learned from? Will we face the big task God has set before us to reach uh, our neighborhood around us here in faith? Trusting God with all our heart? Or will it seem too big and too hard and will we shrink away and do nothing and possibly risk a dead faith that James, you know, Jesus' brother warned us about? That's a, a sermon for another day. There is a reason God gave us the stories of these men and women in the Bible and thankfully some more recent ones that were recorded in history it's to remind us that God responds when we say yes. We can put our faith in him. We can be part of his plan to redeem this world. That's what he's doing. Remember again Hebrews 13, 7. Think of all the good that has come from their lives. Follow their example of faith. He gave us the stories to inspire us and encourage us to do it. Let's follow the examples of these faith-filled men and women and change this part of the world just like they did. Now, if that all seems easy, like all I have to do is say yes to God in faith and it'll open the door and all the answers will come and the resources will come and there'll be a life without struggles, it, of course, never is like that, is it? We'll get what Martha Teresa continues to help us in this area as well. So some years after she passed away, some of her letters were actually released and what was revealed was a person who was just like you and I, someone who would often want to run away from what she was called to do. Yes, she admitted it. Someone who found her life to be dark at times, and sometimes she just felt like God wasn't there, that he was distant from her. In one of her letters to a friend in the early years of ministry when she was in the slums, here's what she wrote. Our Lord wants me to be a free nun covered with the poverty of the cross. Today I learned a good lesson. The poverty of the poor must be so hard for them. I thought how much they must ache in body and soul looking for a home, for food and health. Then the comfort of Loretto came to tempt me. You have only to say the word and all that will be yours again. The tempter kept on saying, of free choice, my God, and out of love for you, I desire to remain and do whatever 
be your holy will in my regard. I did not let a single tear come. Yeah. Isn't she amazing? But she's just like you and me. She wanted out at some time, in some points. I don't think any of us would have said a bad word about her if, she's, if she had packed up and gone back home. In another honest letter during a difficult time, here's what she said. This one's hard to read. Where is my faith? Even deep down, right in, there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. My God, how painful is this unknown pain? It's pains without ceasing. I have no faith. I dare not utter the words and thoughts that crowd in my heart and make me suffer untold agony. So many unanswered questions live within me. I am afraid to uncover them because of the blasphemy. If there be God, please forgive me. That's Mother Teresa. So honest, hey? Raw and real emotions. You know, at first, you might read that and think, has she lost her faith? But who here can remember times like this and identify them in their own life? Some call these moments in our life the dark night of the soul. Whatever she was going through in that moment, here's what I don't want you to miss. She was still talking to God. That is faith. That's a great lesson for us because we will have those dark times. We will have those times when God just feels distant. I just don't feel his presence. We will have doubts. This is when faith can cut through. So here's a here's the point I've got from this part of Mother Teresa's life. Faith is an act of the will to trust God even when we don't feel we can. We just do it. Faith is not a matter of feelings. It's a decision I make based on what Jesus has already done and what he has promised to do. It's a decision to say, I believe in who God is and what he can do. Mother Teresa was real and honest, and she was real and honest with God. It kind of reminds me of some of the laments we read in the scriptures, right? From David and others. But notice what pained her most. It was that feeling of distance that she had at this time. Her answer, though, seemingly was to persevere in faith, and we know she did. Despite a feeling of emptiness and darkness, what does she do? She prays and she submits it to God. She submits those feelings or lack of them to God, and she continues living out her faith in action. It's a great lesson for all of us. Through all the misery and disease and death around her, Mother Teresa would never stop bringing the hope of Jesus alongside of her hands of service. She was famously quoted as saying this, By blood, I am Albanian. By citizen, an Indian. By faith, I am a Catholic nun. As to my calling, I belong to the world. As to my heart, I belong entirely to the heart of Jesus. She never lost that. And Mother Teresa received the Nobel Peace Prize on December 10, 1979. She was at Oslo University in Norway. She stood there before all the dignitaries of the world. You know, everyone was dressed up in their dinner suits, they got the ties on. The ladies are in their formal dresses. Mother Teresa stands there in her simple white and blue Indian sari. This kind of, dare I say, little old lady on the outside. She stood at the podium. She said these words. Remember who she's speaking to here. She's not speaking to her church, to her people. She's speaking to the, the dignitaries of the world. 
just said, God loved the world so much that he gave his son. And Jesus Christ loved you and loved me, and he gave his life for us. And as if that was not enough, he kept on saying, love as I have loved you and as I love you now. And how do we have to love? We love through giving. For he gave his life for us, and he keeps on giving. And he keeps on giving right here everywhere in our own lives and the lives of others. It was not enough for him to die for us. He wanted that we love one another and that we see him, that we see Jesus in each other. That's why he said, blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. I'm still reading from her words. Today, when I have received this reward, I personally am most unworthy. I have avowed poverty to be able to understand the poor. I chose the poverty of our people, but I am grateful and I am very happy to receive it in the name of the hungry, of the naked, of the homeless, of the crippled, of the blind, of the leprous, of all those people who feel unwanted, unloved, uncared, thrown away by society, people who have become a burden to the world and are ashamed by everybody. In their name, I accept the award. There's a longer speech than that. You can look it up online if you want to. This tiny little old Catholic nun, he started out with nothing, helped hundreds of thousands of the, the most needy people around the world and took an opportunity God opened for her. And then she points the world's leaders to Jesus and the love that he has for everyone, especially the vulnerable of the world. She wasn't perfect, by the way. If you do go researching Mother Teresa online, you'll find some harsh critics on there. Yeah, just take it with a big grain of salt, I'm going to say. In fact, the people who seem to be the harshest, I noticed they tend to be the people who are kind of anti-God, anti-religion. Do you know what I mean? She wasn't perfect. None of the heroes of faith we've talked about were perfect. She simply put her faith in God and said yes to him. And we look at those steps of faith she took when she said yes to God. And today, when we look at her life, we think of that small old lady as a giant. A giant of faith. A hero of faith. We're going to pray and thank God for her now. But I'm also going to pray about who's the next, not Mother Teresa, who's the next person God is calling in faith to step out and say yes. Lord, I do thank you for uh, the, the heroes. They don't call themselves heroes. We do today because we look back fondly on them, God. But I just thank you for their example. I thank you that someone wrote down their stories in your word. I thank you for the more recent examples like Mother Teresa, Agnes as she was born. I thank you, God, that um, for all that you did in her life, I thank you for all that she has done to inspire the world. I mean, that was the gospel right there in the slums of Calcutta. And you call us to love people, to see you and everybody. So maybe that's my prayer today, God, is that we would see Jesus. We would see you and everybody we encounter, whether they be rich or poor. Help us to shine the light in the dark, God. To bring the light of the world. To bring you. 
just like all these men and women did. Change the world for the kingdom. We've got a part to play, Lord Jesus. Help us to do that. So Lord, where we lack faith, I pray that you'll build it in us, that you will build faith in us. Lord, I'm praying now that you, uh, that you do a work in our lives and that you start to, to change what it is, that you, who it is that we are, that it'd be more centered on you, God. It'd be more focused on what you've called us to do, the task at hand. And here's the thing, God, we don't do it alone, we do it with you. You're right there beside us, you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. I pray, Lord, for everyone here this morning that as we leave here, these will be lives that will be built firmly on the foundation of Jesus, God, and that, um, that we will have a clear path and amazing faith. Where we lack faith, God, bring it into our hearts and into our minds and transform us, I pray. Amen. Amen.